you're listening to Dialogues on 3CR Community Radio. Every Wednesday night at midnight. Advertising imaginative ways. Start your free trial today. Come on in the waters. Lovely look. You could meet someone you like. During the meteor strike. It is that easy. Good evening and welcome to Dialogues. Tonight's show is coming to you as part of Radiothon Week at 3CR. So for anyone who's a new listener and hasn't been through Radiothon before, this is the time of the year when 3CR Community Radio does a big fundraiser and um, raises the money that's needed to keep all of the shows on the air for the next 12 months. And Dialogues, as a new show, has this opportunity to potentially speak to a new audience and new listeners to 3CR. So I really want to encourage everybody to have a look at the 3CR webpage, which is 3cr.org.au. There are so many awesome programs that happen on 3CR. Lots of them you can podcast. Lots of them you can listen to from the 3CR website. You can stream it live so you can listen to anything that's happening on the station um, as it's happening from wherever you are in the world. Um, And basically the philosophy of 3CR is to be really community-focused, offer voices that are not heard on the mainstream media, put out ideas that often don't get a platform and prioritize those conversations that you don't get to hear anywhere else. And as well as broadcasting these things out in across the airwaves on 855 AM, 3CR is also this incredible community hub that um, has meant so much to me personally Coming into Melbourne, moving here from Tasmania um, and getting involved in community radio has meant that I have met some amazing people and learned about things that I knew nothing about before and been involved with this place, which is a truly inclusive and open community space. People come in here day and night through the week and the weekends to put together these shows and everybody, you know, a huge majority of the people who do this volunteer their time. And some of these shows are broadcast all across Australia on the community broadcasting network. And there's a group of dedicated and really hardworking staff who are so patient and like put up with so many interruptions (laughs) during their day and do such an incredible job making this all happen. And basically none of this is possible without the support, the financial support of our listeners. So if you're a new listener, have a jump have jump on the website have a look at what is available there f- 
for you to investigate what kind of shows there are. And I really encourage you and, and would be grateful and humbled if you believe in the power of Radical Radio, if you believe in supporting community spaces that provide community and engagement and exposure and opportunity for expression of new ideas, things that don't get don't get space in the mainstream media, then please show your support by clicking on the donate button. If you go to 3cr.org.au and then click on donate, it will show you it will it will put you through to our crowdraiser website and then you can search for dialogues and click on the dialogues radio show link and donate through there. If you want to donate another way, like cash or check or credit card, then you can click on the link on the 3CR website that says pay by cash, check or credit card. And you can, it will list all of the other ways that you can get in touch. And if you can't afford to pay right now, you can pledge and give your donation later. And if you have no no way to do that at all, but you're interested in what happens at 3CR, you can come along and volunteer. So I'm going to wrap up this Radiothon chat now. I think I've probably gone on long enough um, expressing my love for 3CR Community Radio, but really it is such a special place and I'm so happy that I'm a part of everything here. And... So I'm going to introduce the recording that we have today. I recorded this earlier in the year with two traveling musicians who both share some really interesting insights into um, living lives that are full of creativity, offer freedom and opportunities for community connections. So it's a really, really good interview to be putting on during Radiothon Week. So I really hope you enjoy that interview with Terry Young and Andy Payne. And on your journey there you've got so many cool things to do. Uh, today I have two musicians in the studio with me, Terry Young and Andy Payne. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks, Meg, for having us. Yeah. Um, so we've got a kind of a few topics that we can cover today, but I thought we might start with music. You're traveling around and sharing your music with people in the community and you're doing it slightly differently to how sometimes musicians do this. Can you tell me about it and how it started? Yeah, well, we've been traveling around from Brisbane to Melbourne, um, hitchhiking between towns and playing gigs, mostly in people's houses, um, often people who are friends or friends of friends or a couple that were arranged through the internet. Um, and it's been really amazing. We've been, I guess, yeah, outside of the normal industry of music and the normal relationship of some people on a stage with lights and things like that and other people in the audience and just to sitting in lounge rooms playing songs and it's opened up really new possibilities about 
new places to play for one because there aren't a lot of venues in rural Australia necessarily mm. but also new ways of relating to the music you know people from the audience can comment on a song after it people are sitting in more of a circle and mm. and so and for us as musicians new ways where we can show our art and connect with people mm. where if you're waiting for the music industry to offer you a chance that can never come you know mm. for those of us who mm. aren't mega rock stars um Mm. and so i think it's been really great that way it seems like a different type of economy that you're kind of working within it's not about maximizing personal financial profit it's about maximizing other kinds of things that are of value like community would you say that's an approach was that on purpose that you made those choices yeah for sure there's um uh, a lot of value in those uh, smaller intimate uh, concerts there's uh, a lot of reward that is is not monetary that that you uh, might miss out on you know in a bigger venue it can feel like a a lot of energy exer- exertion when I play in a a bigger venue and there's there's not so it, it can be a lot of energy feedback um, as well from the audience, but it, it can just feel like you're putting yourself out without um, the 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 warmth and the immediate uh, connection mm. um, that you feel when you're just in a small room together. And as Andy said, the the banter between the uh, audience that arises in a small um, room that's so valuable like mm. the conversation that's what we want to do as artists is uh, not just make beautiful things but facilitate to, to start conversations and uh, seeing that happen right there and then the a song will spark something for someone they say oh I went there I, I saw mm. I, I saw what you're talking about and someone else says that as well and there's a connection between them and it's this mm. informal it's music being a part of a social gathering it's not just music on a pedestal mm. and that's uh, so rewarding as a musician to be a part of that and get that kind of reward Mm, yeah Yeah. because we've talked about this before we've played music together and um I've seen you play at places as well like at house gigs and things like that and um it's a really different feeling um to standing up on a stage and having this distance between uh you know which sets up this dynamic of performer and audience as opposed to everybody sitting around and everybody's potentially has something to offer and everybody has potentially something to gain um it doesn't it has a different kind of kind of uh, chemistry and it works in a different sort of paradigm. So have you found that people have been receptive to that as you've travelled around and um, have you had any kind of impromptu moments where people have been like picked you up hitchhiking and been like, can we have a concert at our house or anything like that? <laughs> no, not, uh, not especially. You certainly are open to a lot of other interactions that you might have in conversation. We haven't had that happen where people have picked us up hitching and, and offered us gigs, but <laughs> we certainly um, <laughs> but we certainly have had have had places to stay from people, you know, with strangers just because from playing there and people have hooked us up with other things or ideas of places we could visit. We went to and visited Ellenborough Falls because somebody at one of the gigs talked about it and mm. and so it definitely opens up new possibilities. 
Mm. And so what um, kind of – are there any kind of philosophical positions that were behind your choice to travel and perform in this way? Are you deliberately stepping outside of a um, capitalist economy, a different kind of economy, a sharing economy? I think one thing, yeah, to talk about the economy and before you sort of mentioned uh, not – wanting to be rich and famous from our music maybe you do i don't know yeah well (laughs) if if anybody's listening you know feel free (laughs) but um uh i think it's interesting in thinking about economics like one way to think about it is how much can you get and that economics gives you a degree of power to buy things and to do things but for more people i think economics is something that restricts us because we require money and that you know the the balancing of budgets means we have to live a certain way. And I guess traveling the way that we have has no overheads. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, we're not even paying for travel, let alone promotion, venue, hire, PA, mm. all that kind of thing. And so it's really freeing, just the low amount of money. And actually people have been very generous. People have put us up, fed us, and also chucked mm. in donations and mm. things like that. And so we've actually been able to travel very freely by sort of dodging the mm. the normal money-oriented way of doing things and a business way of doing things that says, well, you have to promote the show this way and then mm-hmm. you have to get a venue and all, all those kind of things. And mm. so I think uh, even without being really actively trying to smash the capitalist system, we mm-hmm. have got around some of the limitations mm-hmm. that come from a business-oriented view. And was this something that you guys have done before separately or together? Did you know one another and decide this is something that you wanted to do? How did it evolve? We've both played and hosted house concerts and community concerts. It's sort of our musical style Mm. and preference. Uh, I've never done a a tour like this before. It's been a great first experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, we met each other at the Students of Sustainability Conference in right. Newcastle last year, heard each other play some songs there and I think admired each other's songwriting styles and I got in touch with Andy and asked if he wanted to uh, get on board a, um, a nebulous idea, as it was <laughs> at the time, um, to to travel down from Brisbane where I was going to be anyway mm-hmm. and um, and play concerts along the way. Mm. It was a, 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 a casual gesture. I didn't really know what would come of it and it's, it's exciting. Uh, at the end of uh, an idea coming into fruition to see uh, how, how a nebulous idea turns into something really substantial mm-hmm. yeah what was it about each other's songs that you feel it interested you and draw, drew you to each other as songwriters I'm curious to hear this <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things I like about Terry's music is it's very uh honest it's very it deals with uh people and places that she knows and everyday life it, uh, and so it's music, it's folk in the best sense, like music of the people and it's mm. written about her situation and it's not sort of written for mass airplay or um, mass consumption. And mm. so I like that. It's uh, very um, honest mm. and, and very relative to, uh, relevant to her community. Mm, it's very located and grounded in specific places, isn't it? 
Mm, yeah, I take a lot of inspiration from yeah from where I live, which is Tasmania at the moment. Mm. Yeah. And what about for you, Terry? Listening to Andy's music, I like that it's it's so richly imbued with with values and and good ideas. It's um, uh, Andy's songs are a, a vehicle for a sort of good living mm. gospel and <laughs> um, and as well as being as well as having a, a, a writing voice, which is uh, down to earth, unpretentious, humorous, and and clever. <laughs> wow, <Yeah>. sold. <laughs> um, yeah. You mentioned values and good living. What would you say those values are? Well, for me, um, I guess uh, it's hard to put labels on things, but I. Mm. Um, if I was to put a label on myself, uh, I often talk about myself as a Christian anarchist, and uh, I guess that means in some ways taking ideas from both those philosophies, but also uh, making a synthesis of the two and having a, mm-hmm. a kind of specific Christian anarchist way of looking at the world and and living. And so, mm. uh, for me, I mean that manifests in different ways. One is like a concern for social justice and the environment. Another is uh, trying to live in a way that's free, you know, that's not controlled by external forces and uh, in a way that that shows a, a love for other people and that goes out of my way to do good and create good in the world. And so, mm. so that's roughly it. What kind of areas have you drawn your understanding of what Christian values are and what anarchist values are? Because they vary within different groups, both of those things, don't they? Yeah, yeah. that's definitely true. Yeah. And I suppose... Uh, I've come from various uh, parts of Christianity and uh, I think there's good in in all of them. And so uh, through my life, I've been involved in Christian groups from, say, the Salvation Army to Pentecostal churches to mm. uh, the Catholic Church I've been around and some more esoteric like liberation theology and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also living in intentional Christian communities and there's a movement called the Catholic Worker Movement of uh, houses where people live together, live simply, open their doors to people that need somewhere to stay and, and try to live uh, lives that reflect their values. Mm. And so so those are, have all been influences. And uh, within anarchism, I think there's a, yeah, again, a broad range of philosophies, but a part of it is just that uh, to to not be constrained by... The forces of the world, whether that be, you know, sexism, racism or uh, economics, Mm. and also to take it upon yourself to do what, you know, anarchism is saying that nobody should rule anybody else. And so the responsibility of changing the world and changing our own lives falls on us. And so Mm. that's been a a big thing as well. Mm. And uh, do you find um, that people in anarchist spaces react in a particular way to to your feeling and identity of it as a Christian anarchist and people in Christian spaces react to the anarchy part. Do you find many other Christian anarchists that you, yeah, spend time with? There are other Christian anarchists and, again, like any other label, it's a broad uh, kind of name that covers a lot of different things. And so I do have, you know, a, a kind of friendship circle of other people mm. that try to live by that kind of philosophy. 
within Christianity, a lot of people are completely bemused. They've never come across anybody <laughs> uh, talking about anarchism before. And so in, in that way, like, uh, I guess, you know, occasionally my my theology and my praxis of Christianity are, are very unusual to them, but people are often, I guess, open to it in a way. Uh, in anarchism there, you know, the famous catch cry of Mikhail Bakunin, no gods, no masters. And so mm-hmm. there's a, a long history of atheism as well as a long history of theism as well. But, mm-hmm. um, and so people are often more militantly against it. And so I come across more, uh, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. people being against people saying you can't be a Christian anarchist or Mm. uh, trying to argue with me. Um, (laughs) But I think as well, I guess, yeah, people are interested in things and open to different ideas. And so Mm. I've existed in, I guess, Australia's anarchist milieu for a number of years now. Mm. Um, Do you guys talk about this um, in your sort of conversations about how you make your work and how you live your lives as you're travelling around? I don't think so. All right. <laughs> Do we? I think we've talked a fair bit about faith, especially, and um, certainly... A, a <laughs> I wasn't, sorry, I was tuning out. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, can't remember what we've talked about. Uh, you mean you were tuning out, like, just now, or you were tuning out the other... No, 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 the last two weeks. Well, I've been talking about it. I don't know if Terry's been listening anyway. <laughs> It's just been a continuous monologue for me for two weeks. A dissertation. Um, I think no, I think we have talked about uh, faith at times and values. Maybe not anarchism so much, um, but definitely like the the kind of lives we want to live and what underpins those lives. And I think it's something we're both interested in. Yeah, I second that. <laughs> um, for someone who. Terry, you, uh, you're not a uh, Christian anarchist, so you wouldn't identify that way as I understand. Um, do you think that there's a different way that people kind of make decisions if they're not um, coming from a space where there's a, a philosophy about how you kind of relate to the world, for example, if that makes sense? Um, I don't know how much it informs your decisions, Andy, like how you live how much of that is informed by your personal belief and your personal faith and um, for you, Terry, if it's different, does that make mm. sense? Yeah, I, I don't really know what... I, I think that even if somebody's not explicitly religious, they still have their... Um, their their uh, well values that that are, that are guiding them in the same way that um, that somebody that identifies mm. uh, with a, a, a religion um, has. So I don't identify with a specific as I don't identify as as a as a Christian because I. Uh, I, I don't identify with what other people um, uh, think of a Christian as as being. I don't have a very concrete set of beliefs, and so I'd feel inauthentic to to say that I, I identify as as such. But my 
my values and and culture really is quite Christian. I, I have spent a large, well, I, I grew up in a Christian environment and we have a culture that's largely founded on mm. a history of Christianity and I, I am um, involved with a Quaker community in in Hobart um, and, and open to it. Like I, I still sort of feel culturally um, that way inclined but it just so happens that I am agnostic about mm. the... Uh, some of the metaphysical um, beliefs or ideas. So I think even if someone doesn't identify uh, or subscribe to a specific uh, label or community or tradition, they still have some inner uh, – they still have something that they're working by Mm. You, you, you're not just going blindly through life. You still have things which you hold to be true, mm. even if you haven't made it explicit to yourself or to others. There's still there are still values and um, and mm. views about the world that that are that are that are that are guiding you. And those mm. are those are changing in the same way that for someone who does identify as religious mm. that is also changing for a worldview for them is also um, changing subtly or or mm. dramatically um, throughout throughout life um, hopefully mm. and evolving as you yeah. learn more things and have more experiences in life and meet more people yeah yeah that it has this potent has a space to evolve yeah. and change yeah um Let's take a break and listen to one of your songs. I have both your CDs here today. Um, shall we start with one of your songs, Andy? Sure. Which one do you think would be a good one? Uh, let's do, uh, I think it's track two, Sometimes Yes, No. And I've been playing it as we've been hitching around the country because it's about hitching, but it's also about... Uh, I think trying to live a life consistent with your values and trying to break through kind of our fears and our constraints and expectations and things like that to to live the kind of life that we want to believe in. It certainly means that to me. Well, I fell in love, hitchhiked my way across the country in the rearview mirror. Saw my old life and troubles disappearing behind me. Think of all the times I spent imagining how things could be. Now the future's here and every roadside's reading possibility. Well, sometimes you just know when you gotta go to make something new. You gotta break something old, gotta take a risk, look past the fear, take the opportunities as they appear. Well, I got a ride, we shook hands and laughed at the stories we told. Wide lines rushed by, and the sunshine ahead beckoning us on. Flicked on the radio, trying to find a soundtrack to the freedom we felt. We were out of range, but it was the most beautiful static I'd ever heard. 
Well, sometimes you just know when you gotta go to make something new. You gotta break something old, gotta take a risk. Look past the fear, take the opportunities as they appear. And the girl I loved, well, I saw a smile and I knew it was right. And the life I longed for, I'm still discovering it all the time. Not ashamed to say that I've made a few mistakes along the way, but I'll never regret stepping out onto the highway that day. Well, sometimes you just know when you gotta go to make something new, you gotta break something old, gotta take a risk, look past the fear, take the opportunities as they appear. Well, I fell in love, hitchhiked my way across the country. Fight for your mic. 3CR Radiothon 2018, Fight for Your Mic. The sound of the weapon called a microphone. Bring the revolution on. Broadcasting to the early morning. June 4th to the 17th. Fight for your mic. Rebel music on the dance floor. Tell me what you're fighting for because this day gonna keep you alive. Forget about your troubles and your nine to five with the rhythm of the pump, the pump, the pump. Okay, we're back. Um, we're with Terry and Andy. We're talking about traveling, music, and um, religion, basically. Uh, values, life, having a meaningful life. Uh, this is Dialogues on 3CR. And I'm Meg Kimber. So that was your song, Andy, Sometimes You Just Know. And you and Terry are traveling around Australia, hitchhiking and playing gigs at people's houses. This is part of a conscious effort that both of you are making to relate to your community and share your art in ways that are different to how people normally do that within the systems that we operate within. Um, so this is part of a, a way of living for you that's uh, related to your faith. Is that correct? Yeah, and I'd say my music is is one part of like a holistic way of looking at my life. Mm-hmm. And so I make music and there's a certain way that I approach my music and that includes, I guess, rejection of this idea of a hierarchy of artist and audience or idea of trying to use your music to become personally powerful rich and famous Mm -hmm. but also it means that i try to use my music to communicate the things that matter to me Mm -hmm. and so uh, a lot of my songs are about political issues or about how we relate to one another or about how we live as free people under a a raft of things that try to oppress us and so Mm. um so the message as well as the medium of my music i guess i try to relate to the values I try to live by. Mm. And uh, when the song was playing, we were talking just now about music being used as protest music. And Terry, I know that this is something that you do and it's in alignment with this kind of broader idea of what folk music is, which is music which communicates a message that's of relevance to your community. Uh, can you tell me about how you approach that? Yeah, I I see songwriting as my as as the best way I have to communicate things to the world. It's the medium that I I feel most fluent in and so some people write letters to the editor or 
or books or make speeches or have conversations with their friends and I, I see songs as just uh, as, as uh, another another way to to join um, the, the the conversation which is constant about how we want our communities and our world to look. Mm. Um, so there have just been a couple of times in the last year when there's been a community issue in Tasmania which I've felt strongly about and um, and been able to give um, my offering of of a song for the for a, a campaign or there um, there have been one one instance about development in Hobart and another instance about um, fish farms on the east coast of of Tasmania and I think it's been valuable for the people involved in those campaigns it's uplifted their spirits it makes a campaign a whole lot more fun reinvigorates um, what can be what can feel really exhausting Mm. um, in the um, bureaucratic uh, um, processes Mm. that that um, activists uh, are are um, yeah, sometimes get burnt out by. So a, mm. a song can be a great gift for them as well as being a really useful thing to reach new areas of the community. You know, people will uh, – songs are a lot more fun sometimes than than a, an mm-hmm. essay. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Do either of you ever encounter people who um, are of the opinion that – Things like music or things like personal faith or communal community faith are not um, necessary in radical spaces or are not welcome in radical spaces. How do you navigate that if you do? I think uh, music is pretty pretty common. I, um, I think for, for I come from so a, a faith background which is very much about uh, – I guess forgiveness, tolerance, um, and and love in in whatever that means, and uh, and so then I I have an understanding of how I want to live that out. That means you know accepting people and you know working on to change where we need, but a uh, one that's based a, a people focused kind of orientation. Whereas a lot of other people come from a a more ideological kind of idea of what it means to be a part of a community or yeah, to to how to how to create change, and so you do occasionally come across people who are very hardline about what has to be believed. And I guess in a lot of ways, because in the political community that I'm in, my beliefs do in a lot of ways fit with that. I'm not always the target of that. It's mm-hmm. other, I see other people being the target of that, mm. but occasionally when people start to talk about religion or something then it does turn to me and and people do have a very hardline view of of what it means which uh i mean that's their view but it's not something i'm really into and i think uh a realistic way of trying to create social change means working with a broad variety of people and inevitably people won't agree on everything and people do have things that matter to them that aren't what matter to you and so Mm. um i I do worry about that sometimes, but mm. yeah, because yeah, it, it's almost like um, that there is uh, the idea there in the broader community might be that Christianity is um, related to systems of oppression and histories of of, of 
patriarchy or other systems like that um which can almost i can imagine like if you are a christian then um identifying as such and being open about it um could give people the impression that you're uh, in alignment with systems which are um less progressive and more conservative do you ever experience that i mean deservedly so christianity Mm. has earned a reputation um (laughs) of aligning itself with systems of oppression and mm. with being an active agent of oppression when it comes to people of different sexualities or mm. women at different times. Mm. Um, and so I, I can be totally honest with that and I can see where that comes from. Mm. Uh, I also think that there's a, a lot of powerful things both in the just the ideology of Christianity, the teachings of Jesus, and also the tradition of Christianity. I think it's given a lot of great things to to our society. And I think... You have to be very realistic about um, the the role that any ideology can play in being uh, in you know supporting a system of oppression or mm. in oppressing people. And so, you know, while you could talk about the Spanish Inquisition or the Crusades or something like that as something that directly Christian, uh, militantly atheist people like say you know Stalinist Russia is also an ideology that has, mm. you know, been used for mm. despicable things, you mm. know, horrible things. And so mm. I think uh, I'm open to people criticising Christianity. I have no problem with that. Mm. Christianity can handle it. Um, it's big enough. But um, I think we also should be critical about any ideology from nationalism to mm. a political ideology to mm. a faith or, a, you know, a, any set of mm. beliefs that you're going to say this is what has to be believed. Mm. Yeah, because um, there's lots of ways that um, societies um, produce systems which have an interest in p- certain power groups maintaining their power. So sometimes that's religious groups, sometimes it's political, sometimes it's class, sometimes it's gender. Yeah, seems to me as well. Terry, I was going to ask you, You, I know at the last Students of Sustainability you did a uh, course on protest songs. Mm, yeah. Not a whole course. A 40-minute <laughs> workshop, I think it was. A, a, a one-term <laughs> university <laughs> <laughs> accreditation. Um, what motivated you to do that and what songs did you look at? Oh, I was motivated to do it because I really love um, the idea idea of uh, outward focused songwriting there's a lot of introspection in songwriting um, these days which is really cathartic and can be useful for other people as well when you're exploring making sense of universal experiences but that are private experiences but universal that Mm. is useful and that's that's great that songwriters do it and I do it myself as well Mm. Um, but I um, I love I think what what I I really want to advocate for in in a songwriting culture and tradition is um, is holding on to and um, encouraging the the tradition of of outward focused songwriting so that's songwriting for a community about a community and, and storytelling. Mm. Um, sometimes it's overtly political and other a lot of the time it's not. A lot of the time it's just reflecting values or just capturing the ambiguity of, of a situation and of people. Mm. Um, 
I, th- I think mm. that that's what I, I really wanted to uh, to to in, encourage or, or raise um, in in the com- conversation and, and workshop that I ran. Uh, what was the other question? How what um, was the content? Of yeah, the, what songs did you look at? We looked at uh, a few different sort of protest songs and how the the focus because it was such a, a short workshop was on on writing voice and how different people find match a writing voice to a topic and how. Um, maybe uh, an angry writing voice isn't the most empowering. Maybe it is. Maybe an earnest voice is or is not the most empowering. So exploring different voices and, and finding a way that you feel powerful where maybe you're, you're stuck writing ironic songs and maybe you're, you're losing some, some, um, some thing in, in, maybe you're limiting yourself and some protest songs protest songs can can be um can be angry mm. <laughs> um and without achieving a, a lot through like sometimes it's just not the best way to approach an an issue um mm. sometimes it is though like sometimes anger is is what's what's real a mm. lot of the time it's it's not the most useful sort of place to come from as an artist though a, a lot of the the time it's not where I feel like coming from so that's what I I, I sort of focus the dis, sort of facilitated the discussion around is um, how um, how you can um, convey new insights or a new way of looking at something that might be uh, well, as as constructive and and empowering as as possible, and that might be a more positive. That might mean approaching the issue more positively, or with a bit of humour, mm. um, and a, a bit of understanding mm. of the others, mm. of the people that are so easy to um, to, to just be. Yeah, mm. yeah. Not just with protest songs, but with love songs as well. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, there's you know, a lot just, of the other person in, yeah, in those as well. Yeah, and it's just not. Yeah, a lot of the time it's not helpful either for you or for the not useful for the people listening to it either. Mm. It's not offering a new um, and and richer way of looking at the situation. Because mm. there's a process of almost of objectification in a way. Like you can objectify the other, you can objectify the issue, you can sort of be, reduce it yeah. to something else. Yeah. Yeah. When it's usually um, subtler. Indeed, which is why art and music and literature and t- storytelling are really powerful tools to connect with other people because they're not just about facts. They're about the little the little pieces in there that are of mm. the sort of details of things and the subtleties and the nuances. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you both go about writing your songs? Um. A lot of my songs are actually written while riding a bike um, around. <laughs> like I come up with ideas and I live quite a busy life. And so in a lot of ways, that's a time when my mind's free to, to roam. Mm. Um, and so often I'll come up with an idea and then start to piece together words and then later get on a guitar. And I mean, it's one uh, creative output for me. I have various others. Mm. I, I write and I also uh 
make radio and also make art sometimes and so all these kind of things that are sort of a creative germ comes of that's an idea of a way to to portray something mm. as something that I care about and mm. and so then I'll I'll think about which channel it fits into and mm. how I want to portray that and but it's very intuitive for me mm. um, I've certainly never followed any rules of songwriting or anything like that um, and I just sort of bash it out and then leave it. I don't refine things very much either. I just thort of, wow, oh, this is something I made and then I play mm. it. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about channels because um, sometimes you can have a great idea and it might be a really good poem but a really bad um, painting or, you know, a really good song but uh, not a good um, kind of story or something like yeah, that. Well, yeah, well, there's all kinds of factors mm. in what our abilities are. Um, like my music is always going to sound a bit rough, you know, and so but writing prose, I could make something sound more beautiful if I mm. wanted to. <laughs> and so then it goes with what your abilities are, what you see as a, a need where that could make an impact in the world mm, and, mm-hmm. uh, and what the content is. There's all kinds of things. And I think mm. uh, it's good to have the freedom of exploring creative expression as a way of putting out the things that matter to you, putting them out to the world and mm. exploring different mediums and things like that as well. Mm. What about you, Terry? How do you write your songs? I, I also uh, find walking or riding a bike is, is the, the place that a lot of mm. songs are, are originate. Maybe that's I, why you guys were drawn to each other as you just knew that your song, but all your songs are written on bicycles. Yeah, in, in both, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really don't know. It's a mystery. I, mm. I try to uh, find the story of, of songs, what I was thinking, like what the pre-thoughts for a song were, and I can never remember it. It's just mm. – it is – it's something that a lot of artists uh, talk about this feeling of it not having um, come from you and not being of you because it's not it, uh, a, 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 it's not planned or in, or intentioned. It's um, it's uh, usually uh, starts with just a, a sort of a hook, like just a a, a sentence that I'm singing. Mm. It's it's always melodies and, and lyrics together, and then. I, I flesh that out. There's so the the beginning is always as if it's from a muse, like it's mysterious. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember trying to write about this topic. All of a sudden, I'm writing about it, and and then there's sort of work, which is I'm I, I I'm nutting it out and um, and editing and refining. But the, yeah, but mm. the the initial is 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 mysterious. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Um. Andy, you mentioned that you have a busy life. What's I'm curious for both of you, what's day-to-day life like? What does it involve? Yeah, well, well mine's quite varied. Um, I, I do some paid work, although part of how I've lived my life over a number of years now is to try to absolutely minimise the role of money in my life. So mm-hmm. I actually only work, I le- work less than one day a week, adding mm-hmm. up the hours. And so I do support work with people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um I'm involved in community radio in Brisbane cool. at 4ZZZ. Awesome. Um, and I do – I take that pretty seriously and do a lot of that. Mm. Uh, I do a weekly street kitchen, Food Not Bombs, in Brisbane, which I absolutely love and have done for many years, and as well as other things, music, writing. And I live in a, a community house where we, we live – 
communally. We try to share both our material possessions and I guess the 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 needs of individuals that we think are made easier by mm. living in a community. Mm. And so do that and also have it open to uh, kind of strangers who need somewhere to stay or friends and mm. run community events there. And also we try to do a bit of political activism from the house. And so mm. that all all keeps me pretty busy and then there's various groups and things I'm involved in. Mm. And how do you find it um, living outside of the financial kind of way that people live usually, like not spending money, just um, having low costs? I think it's one of the really transformative things in my life. Mm -hmm. I've never had a lot of money. There's, you know very short since where I've worked full time, but mostly mm. I haven't. Mm. And um and at one point I just decided that money played a more it detracted more from my life than it added. You mm. know, I had to uh go to work to pay rent mm. and for a house I didn't really need or whatever. And I sort of did a, a few little sums in my head and I thought if I, you know, didn't live in a rented house, which I don't think I need to, didn't own much stuff, um, then I wouldn't need to work and then I'd have I'd be free to do whatever I wanted. Money wouldn't be the defining factor. And so I actually did that. I gave up sort of all my stuff and my house and my job and I lived without any income for a couple of years, dumpster Mm. diving food and hitchhiking or riding bikes and Mm. um, living in squats. And then I ended up back in a community house and ended up somebody offered me a job, which I never applied for. (laughs) And I sort of thought, oh, I suppose I'll do it. And and so money's back in my life, but Mm -hmm. in a pretty minimal way. And to me... um, Money, it has its value, but it's very restrictive. It just, it sort of runs your life in a, a way that we don't get a lot of say on. Mm. Even just the fact of going to job, work and having to apply for annual leave or bring a doctor's mm. certificate when you're mm. on a day off or something like that. Um, and so I guess for me, like I still work, I do a lot of things, but the, what that's dictated is by what I see as needs in the world and what else I see as skills in myself that I have to offer rather mm. than what job somebody will offer me to pay me money for. Mm. Um, mm. And so uh, I think that's one of the most important things in my life in terms of philosophies is trying to get rid of the influence of money. Mm. It sounds really liberating to be able to have the time and make the effort to think about what you have to offer and that place of need in your community um, and being able to meet those needs with your time because you're not having to sell your time to someone else. But that's have there right. been times when you've been on no income and that's been hard and stressful? Because I can imagine there might be if you needed money for something. There, there hasn't really been much difficulty and I'm realistic in a way that partly it's because I live in a society with so much excess mm. which the monetary system has helped to create that society. And mm. so I, you know, I'll accept that. But... So in Australia, we just live a life of luxury. And I certainly don't think myself that I ever go without anything. Yeah. I have everything I need mm. and, um, and more. Mm. And so I think um, there's a, a mentality, a way of looking at things which uh, once you step out of uh, focused on money and what you need, that you can be more happy for just what you've got. But I think in general... Uh, the struggles in my life come at about, you know, the way of 
of changing things more broadly. And of course, money has effects on people's lives much more than myself. And Mm. there's people around the world who are very much oppressed and are going without. And I think that the role of money in our society has something to do with that as well. Mm. Interesting. And we're almost out of time, but I just wanted to put the question to you as well, Terry, like what's day-to-day life like and how do you fit in your creative work with other um, responsibilities and and interests? Mm, I've found Andy's detachment from money really inspiring and mind-opening. I have – and and this last two weeks has been a really really free, wonderful time. Mm. Um, Back in Hobart, I I do – work as a nurse a couple of days a week and various other community commitments, which I won't go into. Um, Some of them music-related, like choir leading Mm. and uh, running workshops now and again. Um, And I I, uh, find music just... Um, it, it sort of comes in in chapters. Like I, I have, like the, the the writing and and performing. Like I, I sometimes go for for mm. months without writing at all, and mm. then and then it comes in a wave, and it's so um, it's yeah, it's able to to flow really naturally. I'm glad that I don't um, I don't have. I don't put stress on myself to keep um, up with creating a cert- or performing or, you know, certain. it doesn't feel like work. It feels like it comes uh, really in a in an organic um, mm. way and, and has always done so and I want to keep it like that. I don't want it ever to, to feel like work. Mm. And so I think, yeah. Um, nursing and social care is a is a good balance, you know, to have this other whole separate area um, mm. that I I also focus on now and again. It feels really healthy and good. Mm. Yeah, sounds like a good life. Yeah, it feels feels good. Um, <laughs> let's finish up with one of your songs, Terry. I, I was there are a couple of uh, more explicit protest songs there, but I thought um, I'd uh, maybe play. Cruise ship is the first song there, because it, it's a little bit of a uh, a criticism, but it's not uh, a protest song as such. But it's just a a, a bit of a, a a gentle jab, um, and it's also a bit of a love song for Hobart. It is. It's a real celebration of the place, <laughs> which is uh, my hometown as well. So I'm glad you chose that one. Quite a fun little sea And did you follow the river? 
read below the men's gallery on Collins Street to those gritty old concrete tunnels where singers like to meet. And did you see the man in high vis singing opera in the mall? He also does some stirring union songs and a fine rendition of Shout to the Lord or Cruise Ship, Cruise Ship. What did he think of our city? Aren't some of those buildings old and isn't that mountain there quite pretty? Oh, cruise ship, cruise ship, I hope your next place will be nice too. And on your journey there you've got so many cool things to do. clean and dry walking through the fruit tree droppings they bless us and they burden us least they save us from a few weeks shopping and did you see the squat on Davy street there's no power but they manage you see they light the place with candles they die from the bins of a local parish and did you make it to the new sydney where they seem to burn great holes have taken it upon themselves to try and heat the whole CBD. Oh, cruise ship, cruise ship, what did you think of our city? Aren't some of those buildings old and isn't that mountain there quite pretty? Cruise ship, cruise ship, I hope your next place will be nice